Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, guys, listen, before we get into the message today, just a, a couple announcements. Um, we, I, we're really asking you, I'm asking you, that you would consider serving on our impact team. We have some needs in our children's ministry as it continues to grow and our youth ministry as it continues to grow in other areas from the parking lot to one-time events. And we need folks to be like, hey, listen, I'm on, this is my family. I'm going to be a part. I'm going to serve however I can serve. And so I just want to ask you if you can consider that today and ask God where he could use you. When you came in, you were given one of these things, which is this cool little sheet, but on the back is a, is a uh, QR code. You can scan that, which will get you in touch with whoever you need to be in touch with, which will be Pastor Heidi, who oversees our volunteers. And then also, um, or if you don't want to do that, if you're like, what's a QR code? You can go to the next step um, table out there. Don't raise your hand because I know there's some of you. I just learned what it was like a week ago. So anyway, it's all good. Um, <clears throat> so you can stop by and just say, hey, want some more information? No, there's no obligation. If you scan this thing or stop by the next step um, table, you, you have not signed the next four years of your life away. We want to just serve you and help you be able to walk in God's calling and gift in your life to serve the body of Christ. Everybody say, you got it, Pastor Jason. All right, we are continuing the series today on, uh, on Daniel. How many appreciated the moral clarity in the book of Daniel as we lean into this? And so we're talking about living for God in an ungodly culture. And the truth is we live in a spiritually hostile environment. If you don't acknowledge that, then really it's because you don't want to. The truth is this, we live in a, in a, in a world that there is pressure. We're, we are filled with a world that's full of victims of the enemy that, that, that the enemy is using to put pressure on you as believers to compromise. Because I will tell you this, there's a purpose in that. And hear me today, every compromise leads to another compromise. Every compromise that we justify and we, and we, and we Justify it. Well, see, the Bible says, I know it says, but it doesn't say that every time that you lean in and compromise and justify it with no understanding of actually the truth or rejection of the truth, it will always lead you to another compromise. It's never enough for the enemy. He wants to destroy you. If he can't keep you from being saved, he will keep you from thriving and being the person that God's called you to be. And so we live in a culture that really is a victim of the enemy. It's not the enemy. It's a victim of it. That we're called to serve and we're called to reach. Just like Daniel did. And as we've been looking at over the, next, over the last couple of weeks, Daniel was taken from his home. He was, he was ripped from his family. He was enslaved. He was placed in a three-year indoctrination process to remove the truth from his mind and replace it with Babylonian truth. But Daniel held strong. And Daniel, as we lean into him, we are seeing what he did and how he lived and applying to our lives how we live in this world. And, and how we live when we are pressured to compromise, pressured to give in. And so as Daniel followed God, he, he didn't do it because it was a rule he didn't want to break. He followed God because his life belonged to God, because he worshiped God, because he loved God. Devotion and non-compromise comes, comes from a place of love, not, out of, not from a place of duty. And Daniel loved God. And so God had entrusted Daniel with this situation. And so last week we looked at Daniel when, when offered unclean food that was offered to idols. He asked the chief of staff... In verse 8 of chapter 1, he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. These foods that he was asked to eat in Babylon had been sacrificed to idols. And Daniel knew that as a follower of God, God had set out some, some, some guidelines of worship. That you're not to, to eat certain foods that have been offered to idols. And actually, to, for Daniel and these young men that were with him. To partake in these unclean, unacceptable foods was an act of submission to the idol in which they were offered to. It was an act of worship to eat of it. And Daniel was determined that he would not compromise. And so 
Daniel went to the chief of staff and he said, listen, I can't eat this. My, the, the, my boys, we can't eat this. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you to let us eat something else. And so the chief of staff responded in verse 10. He said, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who's ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. What the chief of staff was saying is, hey, listen, do you know who my boss is? Do you know who I answer to? It's King Nebuchadnezzar, and, and he has a way of dealing with people who disobey him. And that way is he separates their head from their body. I don't want that, Daniel. So, Daniel, listen, this is, this is not my idea. This is the king's idea through me. You need to eat the food, Daniel. Just eat the food. And the chief of staff, he's, he's, he's had the process through all this. Now, listen, Daniel, I, this isn't the Bible. This is my this is my imagination. Daniel, listen, I've done this before. We, we've captured people from other places. We've, we've made them a part of our, our families here. Listen, the king's food's good. It's high in protein. It's low in carbs. And we'll, we'll give you fiber to help with so those other things. It's okay. And it's, it's the best wine. It's like, you're, you're good, Daniel. Listen, I've seen this. I've seen it make people stronger and build muscle. Well, Daniel says... I can't do it. And so I don't know what happened from the chief of staff to this next verse in verse 11. It says that Daniel went to the guard. Daniel could have said, all right, thanks, chief of staff. And he walks over to the guard and says, listen, I need you to do this for me. Or the chief of staff told the guard, which I think is probably what happened. Go ahead and let him try. So in verse 11, Daniel said to the guard who, whom the chief, of, chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hanani, Mishael and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. So please test your servants for 10 days. Now, something you need to understand, and this is what I'm talking about today, is the test. What does it mean? Last week, we, we, we talked about the, uh, the, the how or the what when, when we are tested. Actually, we talked about the what that we're to be determined and we're to stand for truth in respect and honor and in the spirit and nature of the one we serve. But this week, I want to talk to you about the what. What is the purpose of the test in your life? When you come to the point where pressure is on, when, you're, when, you're, when you are in a place that you got to make a decision. Well, Daniel says, test us for 10 days. I want you to see this real quick. Throughout the Bible, the number 10 many times is related to testing. It's a, it's a period of testing. You find it in Malachi when, when God says, bring the whole tithe, which is a tenth, into the storehouse. And then God says this, test me in this. Test me. So the number 10 is a, is a testing. Also, you have the day of Pentecost. Ten days before the day of Pentecost, the disciples were to meet in the upper room. They'd been there for ten days. It was a testing in Revelation chapter 2, in the, in the church of Smyrna, it's, the Bible says that they were persecuted and tested for 10 days. So here's the truth, my friends. When you live for God, there will be times of testing. And in those times of testing, it's about you and your faith in God. It's about His Word. It's about trusting Him. And so this isn't today about the how we respond in the test. This is about the what. Do we stand or do we give in? What's really going on? So really I want to look at today the substance of your faith. In testing. Because in the test, now hear me today, in the test of your faith, of your convictions, in the test, that is where we find out the substance of our faith. That's where it's revealed is in the test. Do I trust God or do I not? The test is what reveals. How far am I willing to go in my faith? How, how, how far am I willing to really trust God? And here's the truth. Trust is an act of worship. When you trust God, when you say, Lord, I don't understand, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust you, what you're saying is, Lord, I worship you. Trust is worship. So Daniel says, 
I want you to test this, but give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Listen, this whole vegetables and water thing is before the Daniel fast was trendy, okay? This was a step of faith. This was not because veg and water was, was known to build, to build muscle and to, and, to, and to bring like strength and health and stature to people. This was a step of, of, of faith. Daniel didn't know if it would work. This is a suggestion though. This is the only suggestion because vegetables were the only thing on the menu that Daniel as a follower of God was allowed to eat. So he says, let's roll with that. And I believe God's going to meet us here. These young men, they did this to honor God. They did it so they wouldn't compromise themselves and eat food that was sacrificed to idols. This was a step of faith and trust in God. Daniel and these young men did not know the outcome of their decision to say, I'm going to hold strong. But regardless of these young men, no matter what, for them, whether they lived or they died, it was worth it because it was honor and worship to their God. So in the testing of your faith, I want to give you three things that happens in the testing of your faith or helps us understand the test of your faith. Number one, in every test, obeying the word of God seems irrational. Faith always requires risk. It always does. The great missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, said this, unless there is an element of extreme risk in your exploits for God, there is no need for faith. This decision for Daniel and these young men to just eat vegetables and just drink water was a risk. They did not know the outcome. See, we, we, we read this story on this side of it. We, they, we did not, they did not know the outcome. Just like when you stand for God, just like when you decide I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna compromise, when you answer honestly regarding what you believe, when you share the gospel with people and say that Jesus is the only way to God, when you share as, as what a, how a Christian's, Christian sees the word of God, that it defines how we live our lives, not our desires and not culture. It's not our fleshly, you know, but I just, I, that's just how I feel. No, as Christians, we submit ourselves to the word of God because God knows way better than we do what a, what a real life is about. And as we follow this, we actually realize we have just been obedient to the word and now we're living lives that's actually life-giving. It's actually worth living. And when you hold that line and when you, when you refuse to compromise... When you, when you talk with people, whether your belief as a follower of Jesus about sexuality, about gender, about all kinds of stuff that, that is, is really in our faces today, that, that if you don't agree, man, you're, you're in trouble, you're going to get rejected. Or even about how you see the world and how you see the lost and the broken. And listen, when you share your beliefs, there is always a risk of rejection. You're going to risk being fired, you're going to risk being canceled. So why would you obey the word and stand for God when opposition is probable? Actually, it's, it will come. And so for the human mind, that is irrational. We live our whole lives trying to sometimes find the path of least resistance so we can just survive and we can succeed in a world that we are in but not of, but called to serve and to reach. The human mind says, take, take the path that's easy. The human mind says, don't answer that honestly. Shut up. Sit down. 
Because what matters is acceptance. What matters is success in the company. What matters is I don't rock the boat. What matters is what culture says I need to do. The human mind says what matters is my feelings and my desires. And when you are obeying God in an ungodly culture, it seems totally irrational because of the what ifs. For Daniel and these young men, it was the same way. What if? But to them, the what ifs were nothing compared to what is. They were committed to God. And this decision by Daniel and these young men was fueled by faith and trust that God will honor their devotion. God will honor their decision. It had an element of incredible risk. You heard it from the, from, from the chief of staff. The risk of potentially could involve the death of Ashpenaz, the guard, Daniel, and his friends. However, these young men had settled in their heart long time ago that they would remain faithful to their God no matter what. You could hear it in their tone. You could hear it in their resolve. Compromise was a word that was not in their vocabulary when it came to their spiritual convictions and commitments to their God based from the word of God. They said, we shall not be moved. And these are these things that that God calls us to that you will have friction and rejection. No, Jason, I don't think so. I just think as a follower of Jesus, we get along with everybody. That sounds great, except Jesus said, just as the world hated me, the world will hate you. But Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve the world. I came to love the world. And sometimes you've got to make decisions that, that it'd be a lot easier just to, just to just sit down and shut up, blend in. Don't be honest. Don't share what you know your God says to be true. When we lived in England, our daughter came home one time, and uh, she was eight years old. And we lived there for a few years and served there um, in a church. She came home from school with her beautiful little sing-songy British accent. It was great. Like, mommy, may I please have some water? It was just wonderful, right? <laughs> and she came home from school, and she let us know that um, before P.E. and after P.E., the boys and girls all changed in the same classroom. Her classroom all changed together. And so there was no dividers. It was just, it was just a European free-for-all, and there were these eight-year-olds. And so she had been going into the, into the closet with no light to get changed because, because she, she, she didn't want to change with the rest of the kids. So when I heard that as a dad, and as I'm sure you can tell, I'm a person of passion and convictions. I had some flashbacks of history class of the American Revolution. I'm like, well, no wonder, no wonder it happened. <laughs> but anyway, that's just, but I calmed down. And we wrote a letter to the school and we explained as Christians what we believe, that we've taught our, our daughter about biblical modesty and how her body is sacred and that, the, and, and that no punk little eight-year-old boy is to look at, I didn't say that actually. And, the, and I just said, listen, the, the school is gonna need to provide a private space either for my daughter or all girls is fine and their response was, was a tone of, that's a little irrational. It doesn't make sense. She's only eight. Their concern was this would cause my daughter Ellie to be to made fun of or draw unnecessary negative attention to her. And their assessment was right. It would cause her to stand out. It would cause negative attention to her. But negative attention from an ungodly culture is also recognized as you're different and you're distinct. You're actually not like them. How will you ever show another way unless you're living another way?
You must make a distinction with your life. Not just for the sake of distinction. You make a distinction because you were doing it to worship and honor God. Because he's your savior. Because he gave it all for you. Because he redeemed you. How are you going to be a light to lead people from darkness unless you are shining distinctly different than the darkness? And when you stand for your convictions that are based on the word of God, hear me today, regardless of the cost, it is worth it. And it's irrational. But when you understand the heart of God, when you understand all throughout Scripture we're called lights and we're called salt. And what, is, what is that that we are to be distinct? Because when the world comes to the place that it's hurting and it's broken and it's looking for another option, they're going to look and be like, why are you different? And the test you need to remember to follow God's word is going to feel to the human mind irrational. In the test, also you need to remember number two, that every test of faith is a stepping stone to something greater. If, if you want God to use your life for his purposes and his glory, if you want God to use you in a significant way, if you want to be a history maker, if you want to make a mark on this earth, that journey of making the difference and being entrusted with something greater begins when you stand for the little things. You know why? Because the little things matter. Daniel had passed the test up to this point of, of protecting his heart through the pain of being displaced from his home, being taken from his family, the discomfort, the abuse. He passed the test of when given the opportunity to compromise his convictions regarding food for godly men. He did not eat. He was determined. But remember... There's still a fiery furnace ahead. There's still a lion's den for these young men. The truth is this. It is impossible for your faith to be strengthened without a test. It is impossible for you to build muscle in your physical body without resistance. God needed Daniel to walk through some difficult situations, needed Daniel to settle some things in his heart in the midst of it so that then God could show himself faithful in the midst of it so that then God could entrust him with greater things to come. And the truth is this, God uses hardships. God uses pressure, persecutions, and trials to prepare us for a greater battle. To prepare us for great things to come. God did, God did not cause all of the things or, or, or this, this, this test of faith sometimes. It doesn't cause them, but he always uses them. He entrusts you with them. And he says, I'm going to do something in you in the midst of this. And he will use it to make you stronger. And he will use it to make you greater. And if you really have the heart's desire, God, I want you to use me. God, I want you to wring out my life on this earth for the sake of your purposes, for your glory. If you pray that, you need to be ready to be tested. God will entrust you with it because he has something greater for you. And God wants to use these tests of our, of our faith from the little things so that we can be prepared and equipped for the bigger things. He wants to make you stronger. He wants you to have a greater assault on the gates of the enemy. And he starts by the little things. The little things. Everybody say little things. You're like, no, I don't think so, Jason. God understands. I just, I want, I want that. That's fine. But Jesus said this in Luke 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Starts in the little things. Starts in the decisions. It starts in how you answer honestly regarding your Christian faith. It starts by distinguishing yourself, by changing in a closet. 
That's where it starts. It starts by you teaching your children what it means to be distinct. Not weird, distinct. And if you're in a test right now, if you're in a trial right now, and your faith is being tested because, because you, you're standing for truth, I want you to hear me. God has entrusted you and is preparing you for a greater victory and a greater battle to come, but he's preparing you for something more. Your character, perseverance, and faith, and trust is not developed during seasons of comfort. It is developed and galvanized in the seasons of struggle. This message today is a message of church growth probably in reverse. This isn't how you, this isn't how you grow churches as preach stuff like this, but this is how you make disciples. This is how you equip families. If, if the church does not proclaim the truth, if the church does not preach the word, where are, where's the world going to get it? Where are the Christian families going to have it solidified in their heart? Who's going to be a Daniel if there's no one who stands up and declares, you are called to be a Daniel? I tell my kids often, be the one. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm like, be the one. Like, be the one who stands up. I don't care if anybody, you be the one. Be the one. The one. In a sea of humanity, be the one. Moms and dads, with your kids, you, you start calling, you're going to be the one. You will be the one. You're going to be the one to stand when everyone else sits. You're going to be the one who, who, who says this is true when everyone else wants to cancel you. Be the one. Be a Daniel. And that's, that's, that's God, is, God is shaping Daniel because Daniel said, Lord, I'm yours. The apostle Paul, after facing many tests and trials in his life and ministry, I mean, the apostle Paul, man, he was knocked around and beaten from jail cells to being whipped to shipwrecks. So one time he was, he was preaching in a city and they hated him so much they, they threw rocks at him and, and, and I think he died. They drug him outside the city. Other believers gathered around and prayed. He came back to life. And you know where he went? Back to the city again. And in Romans 5, talking about the sufferings he goes, yeah, there's all of that, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Our tests of faith, you need to understand as you lean into them and allow God to lead you, give us confidence and hope for our next test of faith that God did it then and he'll do it now, so bring it on. It gives us that confidence and our test of faith, number three, every test determines which part of your faith is real and which part is counterfeit. You might be thinking, Jason, I, I thought all faith is real. Well, the truth is, is the culture that God's called us to reach is also the culture that the enemy is using to influence, yes, the world, but unfortunately, the church. Again, if, he, if the enemy can keep you from being saved, he will, he will get you to compromise and then you will lose your anointing. Yeah, I'm not saying you lose your, your salvation. I'm saying you lose your, your impact and your anointing and you won't be distinct anymore. You'll look like everybody else. You'll justify, and so I know the Bible used to say that, but that's really not what it means. I know this, and so you will just adjust with the world, and so he does that through influencing culture to influence you, to get you to believe a lie, so that then you become ineffective. So the culture has made its way into the church. It's made its way into the pulpits of many churches. Now listen, there are a lot of great churches out there. There are a lot of great churches in Arvada. I know there are, but there is a lot of cultural preaching going on. Instead of being anchored to the word, sermons are anchored to ideas, cultural trends, hot buttons. 
They, 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 they watch, they just, they just whatever, whatever's on Instagram, I'll preach, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll do this and follow this. And, and that's what we're having in, in, our, in our churches. And the Bible is being explained away as a guidebook instead of the unmoving foundation and baseline for the Christian faith. And I believe that there are people who actually believe they have genuine faith and believe they're living for God, but they are deceived and have a counterfeit faith. It's not real. I wrote this yesterday as I was preparing for this and kind of finishing this, and I said, a Christian faith that is not anchored and submitted to the full counsel of the Word of God is not Christian faith at all. It is a counterfeit humanistic faith striving to appease one's conscience in the name of God while being void of Him. This is is where we are, but that's not who we are. This may be where we are, but this is not who we are. And this issue of counterfeit faith is that it's confusing. What's confusing about counterfeit faith? Because it's still called faith. Yeah, I have faith. Well, I have faith too. I have faith in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus too. It's the same name. But what, di- now hear me today, what distinguishes real faith, genuine faith from counterfeit faith You know what distinguishes it? The test. This counterfeit faith just isn't something that happens in today's culture. It happened in Daniel's culture. The Hebrews were children from the line of Abraham who was promised by God. And they thought, that's all I need. I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm from Abraham's line. I don't need to honor God. I don't need to worship God. The prophet Jeremiah said, listen, stop, stop being like the nations. Stop being like the culture. Stop worshiping these other things. Worship Yahweh. Follow God. That's what you're called to do. They're like, no, we're good. We don't need to. Because I, I have the label. I'm Abraham's child. I have the label. I'm good. I have the mark. And the Bible says that their hearts, though, were far from God They had the label, but they were void of faith in God. It was a counterfeit faith. In today's Christian culture, there are many people who claim to be followers of Jesus, but their life and their beliefs do not align with the Bible. So I'm not saying people who follow Jesus are not going to have areas of their life that, that aren't in process. Because we're all being conformed into the image of Jesus. Every one of us. Nobody has arrived. Nobody. People say, I don't go to church because, you know, there's, all, there's just all these things going on there. It's, it's just, it's, you know, it's just not very, it's not a good place. Well, you're right. If there, if there wasn't people here, it'd be perfect. <laughs> but we, we're all in process. What I'm saying is this, is that counterfeit faith says, I am a follower of Jesus, and Jesus doesn't care how I live my life. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I take my cues from culture how I am to live my life. I'm a follower of Jesus. But counterfeit faith redefines what the Bible calls sin. Counterfeit faith redefines what The Bible calls righteousness and holiness. Counterfeit faith has the audacity to redefine marriage and sexuality and truth and justice. I say I'm a Christian, therefore I am a Christian. But Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. So if you say you're following Jesus and you're, you're, that's, you're, you're justifying everything in culture and saying that's okay, it's fine. Listen, I would, I would do a quick face check and make sure it's Jesus. But the reality about counterfeit faith is it becomes a label. As long as that label doesn't cost too much. So God uses tests to purify and reveal the counterfeit from the real, so he can trust us with the incredible, incredible, amazing battles and victories to come.
The Lord's looking for Daniels. He's looking for warriors. He's looking for someone who says, when no one else does, I will. Jason, I don't know. Like, I don't think so. I think, you know, Jesus just, if we just love everybody, and, and, that's, and that's true. We are to love and serve like Jesus did. But he also came proclaiming, repent. He came proclaiming, I love you so much that I want you to be whole and healed. And you can't be if you're, if you're not receiving what I've offered you. The woman at the well, he says, listen, you can keep drinking from, from this well. And I know you have five husbands and, and, or you've had five husbands and the one you're living with now isn't your husband. And, and he says, I, I know that you're, tr you're trying to satisfy something. But if you'll drink from me, you will have an everlasting well on the inside of you. You won't have to return to, to, to the cup that obviously is empty every time. Jesus still said, this is the way. And these trials come on our faith when we stand for God. Peter said this. These trials, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far from precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The testing of your faith is not for God's benefit. He already knows what's real and not real. It's for your benefit. It's for your sake. Especially in our culture today. If we're depending on faith that, that is counterfeit and all of us should be like Lord is there any area of my faith that's counterfeit is there something in me that's that that I I have allowed the influence of culture to shape how I see things and 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 the world and hey, Lord help show me listen if you have counterfeit faith if I have counterfeit faith we need to know before it's too late and takes us down a pathway that we never really wanted to go and all of a sudden we found ourselves deceived and there and the way we know is through the test, it's through the pressure, it's through the challenge, it's through the confrontation. Does it stand? Does it hold? Does it compromise? Does it give in? Does it love while remaining unmoved? Am I, am I operating in the same spirit as the world or, or am I doing the opposite spirit of love and joy and peace and patience? But I am unmoved. I love you. I know, I know you're freaked out right now. But listen, I'm telling the truth. And when you're done screaming, let's go get some coffee. It, it, is, it is loving but unmoving. And I feel the, the cry of the heart of God in our world and this day is God is looking for Daniels. He's looking for, for, for believers. I will be a Daniel. I'll be the one. And I would say, God, is da I dare you to be a Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand up. Dare to lead your family according to the word. Dare to endure the test. Dare to stand up. Dare to live your life on the word of God. There's not very many Daniels, but God says, I dare you to follow me, and I will meet you right where you are. Hear me today. Genuine faith doesn't mean you're perfect. A very light reading of the Bible shows there's a lot of people that had genuine faith that were not perfect. But people with genuine faith who failed, there was a common theme among those with genuine faith. When they did fail, they showed genuine faith by getting back up, by owning their failures, by repenting. By, by continuing to move forward, counterfeit faith, when it fails, when it falls down, for, it stays down for the count. It dies. It withers under the test. It gives up when things don't go their way. Under the pressure of Babylon, under the pressure of culture, under the pressure of temptation, it adapts to the convictions of the mob. It, it cowers in the corner. It adapts to culture. Do you know why? Because it's counterfeit. It's not real. 
Well, I don't know if that's true, Jason. Listen, 2 Timothy 3 says this, but understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulties. For people will be lovers of self. <laughs> just read this and just think about where we are. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, <laughs> unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. I'm a follower of Jesus having the appearance of godliness. I go to church having the appearance of godliness. I, I have a cross having the appearance of godliness. I stand up for what culture tells me to, but they deny its power because they're, they're not transformed. It's counterfeit. There will be people who talk the talk but do not walk the walk. Counterfeit faith is exposed and weeded out by pressure. True faith actually becomes stronger in the, in the testing, comes stronger in the pressure. And we see Daniel and we see it with the disciples. We see it with the church. The greater the pressure got, the stronger they became because God met them there. Because every test, they, they said, God, help us in the middle of this. Lord, help us remain faithful. And God did. James chapter 1, and I'll close with this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So for Daniel, through the time of testing, God met them. Scripture says that when they finished, when they, when they got through on this test, that their appearance was greater than all the others. God honored them because they stood. Also says that they had more insight and of dreams and visions than anybody else. God honored their decision to remain. Says that they were, they were wiser and the counsel they gave was greater than anybody. Not just greater. The Bible says it was ten times greater. Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Why? Because they stayed the course. They held it. They didn't give in. They didn't cower. And they said, come hell or high water, death or life, we will remain true to you, God, because you are our God and we worship you and we exalt your name. They did not bow. They did not cower. I'm sure there were moments of fear. I'm sure there were moments of, of, of of what are we doing? But they remained. And by the grace of God, so will you. Refuse to give in. Because on the other side of your test, you know what? You're going to be 10 times better than, than you are right now. You are. Now, Jason, I don't know. I, listen, God just needs your heart. He needs you to say, I want to be a Daniel. Second Chronicles says this. We don't have it on the screen. It says, the eyes of the Lord range to and fro. Go to, go, they're looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Doesn't say God's looking on the earth for people who got it all together. They, they, got, they have it all lined up. No, no, he's looking for a heart that's like, Lord, I don't know what this would cost me, but I'm committed to you. Will you dare to be a Daniel? Will you dare to speak when other people don't? Will you dare to be distinct? Will you dare? Be the one.
the Lord will meet you there. We need some Daniels in our nation, in our world, that'll stand up. Stand up at work, stand up at politics, stand up, hold the line. You'll never make a difference if you're not different. Be the light that shines. When the house of cards of the world and culture crumbles, you will be like a house that was built on the rock. And they'll come running to you. Why I think our nation is where it is today is a lot like in Joshua after Jericho they just kept they, they, the children of Israel just kept they, 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 they weren't able to win the battles I mean, there was Jericho and the walls came down it was this amazing thing and all of a sudden they, they went up and they're, they're getting defeated and they're being pushed back and come to find out this this guy named Ai had stolen some things that belonged to God and he put them in his tent. And you know what was keeping the church, or excuse me, Israel from having victories? There was sin in the camp. There was sin in the house. And God needed to reveal, listen, this nation is ours to steward. But God's not going to deal with the nation until he deals with us. Because it's our responsibility. It's time, my friends. Get whatever it is that's counterfeit. Leave it to the side. Get it out of your house. And be a Daniel. Lead your family. Lead your life. Lead your kids. Lead your school. Lead your class. Dare to be a Daniel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today that speaks to us. Challenged to the core of who we are. But we also latch on to the incredible passion and heart that we feel calling us to make a difference. Lord, today we surrender our lives to you. Every young person. God, I ask you that you would fill that generation with the resolve of Daniel that comes through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you that you would anoint our young people that call this church their home, that you would not allow them to compromise or to stray. That God, that because they, they come here at this church, God, you have marked them to be difference makers to be nation changers, to be world shifters. Lord, we say yes to you today. God, in our own lives, whatever it may be at work, we say yes to being a Daniel. We say yes to trusting you, to empower us through your spirit, to stand and to be witnesses. Not out of an attitude, not out of frustration, but out of the warm inviting love of God. May we not represent you in, in our values nor in how we treat and love others, but may we hold true to who you are. Lord, we say yes to you today. Make me a Daniel. Can you pray that? Make me a Daniel. If you mean it, pray it with me. Make me a Daniel. Lord, we thank you for the incredible adventure you have for us. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you would say, I don't know Jesus Christ. And I need him. And I want to be saved. And I want to be transformed. And I want to be changed. I want to be a Daniel. 
If you want to give your life to Jesus today, just nobody's looking around, just raise your hand right now, right where you are. God bless you. Thank you. Just hold it up. Thank you. God bless. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer if you want to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says this, if you say it and pray it and mean it, that you will be saved. Church, let's pray it all together. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse my heart. Transform my mind. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. I give you my life today. Fill me with your spirit. I want to be a Daniel for you. Use me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, right in front of you is a connect card. You just pull that out, fill it out. And when you leave, you can drop it in the white buckets. Also, if you have a prayer request, you could do the same. You can fill that out and drop it in the white buckets. We'd be honored to pray with you. Let's all stand to our feet. If you would allow me to, I'd be honored to pray a blessing over you. If you could just lift your hands just as a sign to receive from the Lord. God, today, we lift our hands to receive from you. We know that you're the giver of all good things. And so today, God, I ask you that you would bless every life, that you would bless their mind and their spirit, that, God, you would strengthen them today. Lord, I ask you that you would prosper them in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would fill them fresh and anew with the power of the Holy Spirit, that they could be lights in a dark world. Fill them with joy, fill them with peace, and fill them with love. God, I ask you that you would prosper them in their workplaces. You'd prosper them at their universities and their colleges. You'd prosper them at their schools. Lord, as Jesus, you grew in favor with God and with man. I pray that that anointing would be on their life and they would use it for your glory and for your purposes. Meet every need in this house. Heal the bodies that need to be healed. Restore the minds that need to be restored. Bring freedom to those who are in bondage. And may we leave here knowing we're walking with the blessing of God wherever we go as we look for you to provide and make a way where there is no way. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen, amen.